0: Welcome to the Relationship Church Podcast. Many of us have heard the African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. Who's in your child's village, though? Whether we like it or not, YouTube, Twitch, Musicians, and the classmates of our children are a part of our villages. It's the job of parents to rear children. And in this, the last installment of our Practical Wisdom series, Pastor Ryan Neal instructs us about the wisdom of God and our relationships.
1: All right. So we're going to talk about the wisdom of God and our relationships today, the wisdom of God in our relationships. Uh, and so we are going to be primarily in the book of Proverbs as we has had been. Uh, but just so you all can remember, we have talked a lot about wisdom. Uh, we actually started this series back in October. And we talked about entering into wisdom. We talked about what is arguably the most important part with regards to wisdom, uh, because it is the wisdom to know that we are to put the word of God first. Uh, it doesn't matter what the talk show host is saying. doesn't matter what the politician is saying. It doesn't matter how the times have changed. But if we're truly going to be people of wisdom, then that means that we have to be people who first and foremost stand on the things of the word of God. So uh, we are looking today at applying wisdom, or we have been looking over the last few weeks and applying wisdom in specific situations, uh, but we've looked at things in the Bible such as entering into wisdom and to pursue wisdom and how we ought to listen to wisdom because it's one thing to hear wisdom, but it's a completely other thing to actually follow wisdom and do what wisdom dictates. Uh, It's one thing to make a plan. It's another another thing in total, In totality, another thing to follow through with the plan, we talked about trusting the word of God, we talked about guarding our hearts against the enemy, trying to snatch the word of God from us and then we started talking about things like wisdom and work. Uh, how to be wise in the way that we work, because the Bible tells us that we ought to work as though we're working for the Lord, regardless of what it is that we're working uh, toward, even if it's what we would call a secular job, we should, we should be doing it in a spiritual way, uh, because that is what pleases the Lord, we can't walk around talking about how we're Christians, uh, and then we're not giving an honest day's work even if you feel like you're being done wrong or whatever the case may be. And that's a challenge for us sometimes, right? Because sometimes companies do do things that seem a little bit shady, but God is still calling for us to have integrity, okay? We talked about having wisdom in our words. We talked about having wisdom in the food that we eat. We talked about wisdom in our planning, in our daily planning, in the way that we operate, being wise. Um, and then we talked about wisdom and money over the last couple weeks. We talked about the proper desire for money, and then we talked about the proper attainment of money and how to use that money, spend that money, give that money to glorify God. So today we're headed into home plate here, and we're going to be talking about the wisdom of God in our relationships. Specifically, we're going to look at parenting and we're going to look at friendships. And for those of you that are not yet parents or that decided not to be parents or are not parents, uh, I don't want you to zone out on me because this is a responsibility that many times you have uh, to your friend's children or your your, your siblings' children or whatever the case may be, uh, which is to do everything that you can in order to raise them up uh, in, in whatever capacity you have relationship with those children. So first, we're going to look in at parenting, okay? First, we're going to look in at parenting, friendship and, par- I mean, sorry, parenting uh, in our relationship with our children. So the Bible tells us um, that we are to be godly parents, okay? So we're going to look at parenting and family. Uh, Now, people always say children don't come with a manual, right? You know, you've heard that thing over and over again. And as a parent, I can tell you that they don't come with a manual per se. But the reason that we put the question marks behind it there, because is not the word of God a manual for everything that we do in this life? The word of God is a manual. It's a map Uh, for this life on how to get us from earth to glory successfully. So the word of God is our manual. And we have to remember that God will never call us to do something that he does not equip us for, or at least give us the ability or the material or whatever it is that we need in order to be equipped. So we have a responsibility to the children around us, not just our children. Now, our main responsibility will be to the children uh, that are That are birthed from our body or adopted by us, or whatever the case may be, that are in our home, but it's not just to our biological children. Um, There is a move this day and age to don't discipline my child. You know, I I don't, don't, don't nobody but not discipline my child. And I'm not talking about necessarily physically discipline, because maybe that is something that should be left to parents or to someone that the parents really, really trust. Uh, however, you know, we should not have the attitude that can't nobody say nothing to our child because we teach them uh, in a backhanded way that you know, it, we're the only ones that they have to respect or to listen to. And so we have to be careful in that. Now we, we monitor that and we make sure that someone's not disciplining our child incorrectly. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we have to have an attitude that, um, that, that it really does take a village to raise a child as they used to say back in the day aunts, uncles, close friends. So we have to have this attitude uh, that God um, puts other people in our lives to help us many times with regards to rearing of our children. So let's look at the responsibility. We're going to look at the responsibility of parenting. We're going to look at the role of parenting. And then we are going to look at the uh, rewards of parenting. Okay. So first, let's look at, uh, we want to actually look at the role of parenting, even though this next slide says responsibility, but we're going to start by looking at the role of parenting. Uh, And the Bible says in Proverbs 22 and 6, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I've heard a lot of people uh, try to explain this verse, because you've got parents that you know are good parents, and then they raise their kids up in a good, right way, and the kids become hoodlums, right? And so people have tried to explain this verse and say, well, no, what it means is this. And no, we're going to take it this way. But truthfully, the right dividing of the word of God in this situation to understand what it means by train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is older, he will not depart from it. What we have to understand is the difference between promise and principle. We've talked about this before, and we say that the book of Proverbs, if you look up what the word proverb means, it's a concise expression in general use, stating a general piece of advice or truth. One thing about general things is that it does not always apply to specific situations. So it is possible, because the book of Proverbs is not a book of promises, it is possible that you can raise a child in the way that they should go, and when they get older, they depart. Because this is not a promise from God, it's a principle from God. And so we have to make sure that we understand because we, if we tell people, well, if you do it like this and you do it like this, then there's just no way that they're going to turn away from God when they're older. One of two things happen. Either one, they're depressed because they feel like I did everything I could and I took them to Sunday school and I showed them a good example and I did everything right as far as I knew. And then they still went out and did things that were contrary to what I taught them and contrary to the word of God. And so they take it all out on themselves and then they're depressed. Or what happens is then they don't believe that the word of God is true. Well, I did everything I could for that boy, and I did everything that I was supposed to do, and he still went out and did what wasn't right, so the word of God must not be true. Both of those examples, one brings condemnation, and one brings a lack of faith in the word of God. So we have to understand that a principle is a fundamental truth or proposition that serves as a foundation for a system of belief or behavior for a chain of reasoning. So what does that mean? Again, it hits back to the general. This is something, this this is a principle of the word of God. What it really means is if you do this, most times this will happen, but you can have a situation where you do everything right and you still find yourself in a situation like Job. The Bible tells us that Job was an upright man who loved the Lord and eschewed evil. And then, even though God was uh, happy with Job, and even though God was pleased with Job, all of these things came on Job. And so it shows us that there are sometimes some anomalies. There are sometimes situations where you do two plus two, and some kind of way something gets funky in that equal sign, and you still don't get your four. Okay. So that's the first thing that I want you to understand, but there are promises in the Word of God. Don't get confused. There are some promises in the Word of God, and a promise is a declaration or assurance that one would do a particular thing or that a particular thing will happen, okay? And the Bible tells us about the promises of God, that the promises of God are yea and amen. That means he's not going to go back on them. And unlike your promises and my promises, God already knows what's going to come up between here and there, and he's already accounted for that. So whatever the promise is that he made you, regardless of what it looks like, it's going to come to pass. That's not so necessarily with principles, okay? So that's that's where we want to start and undergird here. Now let's look at the role of parenting. The, the, the word train, train up a child in the way that they should go. That word actually means to dedicate. It means to devote time, effort, and or oneself to a particular task or purpose. So children, uh, child rearing is not something that we do inconsistently. Child rearing is not something that we do uh, um, in such a way that, you know, sometimes we do it and then sometimes we don't. It's something that we have to dedicate ourselves to. And it's something that where we dedicate our children to God, we take our time, we take our effort, we take all of who we are and dedicate it to the purpose of rearing this child. It's a very important responsibility because you're literally molding a life And if you do it correctly, you have the best chance of raising up or training up the best child. If we had better parents in this world, we would have less crime. If we had better parents in this world, we would have less prisons. If we had better parents in this world, we would have children who uh, were more responsible, okay? So it is a very, very important job and we must raise our children the bible tells us if we read that verse that we just looked at in chapter 22 if you read it in the hebrew it reads very funny and this is what it actually says i wrote it down it says dedicate a youth to ascend unto the mouth in the way he should and when he becomes old not will he turn aside from it i read that again it's a very strange rendering it says dedicate a youth to ascend unto the mouth in the way he should and when he becomes old he will not depart from it. Now, let me, let me read that to you in the way that it was meant. Because when it says the mouth, that is many times translated commandment, okay, commandment. And so it says, spend time training, spend time training your youth to measure themselves up to the, to the word of God or to the uh, commandments of God properly. And when they get older, they will stick to it. Spend time, spend time, spend your effort, spend of yourself training your youth to measure themselves to what? Not just to anything, but to the word of God properly. And when they get older, they will stick to it. The Catholic Church used to have a saying, give us a child until they're five and they'll be Catholic for the rest of their lives. And they really meant that thing because their whole idea was that we'll put so much in this child by the time they turn five years old that they'll be Catholic for the rest of their lives. Our children are formative, OK? With what, what we are putting into our children, what are we putting into our nieces, nephews, anybody really, but, but especially those that are younger than us, we have to make sure that we're paying close attention to what we're doing, what we're saying, and how they're seeing us act because we're literally molding another life. And as a parent, it is our role to make sure that we are dedicating our time to dedicate our children to the Lord, okay? For most of us, if we're honest, many of us allow something or someone else to raise our children. We, we we're allowing grandparents to raise our children, maybe more than they should. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I have a lot of cases where, you know, I recommend as a guardian to the court, I recommend sometimes that the grandparent needs to have the child because the mother or the father is so messed up. Uh, but truthfully, it is our calling to raise our children. And so we ought to be raising our children um, in the way that they should go. But worse than that, sometimes we expect teachers to raise our children who may not even have a godly bone in their body. But we're allowing them to be the ones that are giving uh, our children so much information. And we're not really raising the children ourselves. But what's even worse than that is many of us have given YouTube over to raise our children. And many of us have given television personalities over to raise our children. And many of us have, have allowed our children's friends to raise them, and they're the ones that are telling them what to do. You can tell sometimes who your child has been hanging around by how they act, and we'll get to that a little bit more when we talk about friendships, okay? But we should not allow anyone or anything else to raise our children. Uh, Jessica was just telling me yesterday about an article that she read, and back they were talking about like in our age group, you know, 35 years ago, 30 years ago, when you asked the child that was five or seven or 10 years old, what they wanted to be when they grew up, they said things like a doctor, you know, an attorney, um, you know, and a, uh, uh, just, just all these uh, like more prestigious jobs. But now when you ask a child in that age range what they want to do, the number one answer is YouTube star. They want to be a YouTube star. They want to be a TikTok star, okay? Uh, people who are famous for nothing. Okay, think about it. They're famous for nothing. So many of these people coming up now, I mean, you got kids. People are literally, people are seeing, uh, we're we're seeing just a new day and age where people are literally famous for no reason at all. No talent, no nothing. Kids, I mean, I don't even understand the videos that my kids try to watch sometimes. It's literally like kids opening and playing with toys. Like, what? Are you watching this kid play with a toy? You know, that don't make sense to me. And this video got a million hits watching this little boy play with his toys. Now you got your own toys, but you sitting here watching somebody else play with their toys. Anyway, so (laughs) just don't make no sense, right? So our role as parents is we have to make sure that we're not allowing anyone else to raise our children. Now, let's look here at the responsibility of parenting again. The responsibility of parenting is to train um, and, and as I said before, it means to don't. Wait a minute. I think we went back. Here we go. Okay. The responsibility of training. Uh, so the first part is down here. I'm sorry. That, ignore that first part. That was from the last slide. But, the, but one of our responsibilities as a parent is purposeful discipline. Purposeful discipline. And for the sake of time, we're not going to go through all of those scriptures. So if you want, I want you to write those down. Uh, but we're going to go to uh, the vast majority of the scriptures on this slide. The first thing we're going to do, we're going to go to Proverbs 3 and 11 through 12. Proverbs 3, or I'm sorry. Yes, Proverbs 3 and 11 um, through 12. And it says, uh, if you don't turn there, that's fine. But it says, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction for whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. So we have a responsibility, just as God chastens us or corrects us, we have a responsibility to correct our children or to discipline our children, okay? Uh, Discipline uh, does not always mean physical, okay? Let's look at Proverbs 13 and 24. Look at Proverbs 13 and 24. This is a scripture that many times we have taken out of context, okay? Proverbs 13 and 24, it says, he who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly, okay? Now, word promptly means to get after it right away and to do it as often as is necessary, okay? We don't, we don't let our children, that word promptly really changes a lot of things in the scripture because what it's saying, or not changes, but what it does is it gives a lot more detail to the scripture because what it's saying is you do it promptly. You don't wait till their behavior gets out of control. and and after it's gone down the wrong path for a long time. No, you correct even the little things, the small things you see in their behavior, in their character that come out, you correct those things right away. But that word rod is a rod of correction, but it doesn't necessarily mean a beating. It doesn't necessarily mean a spanking. They used a rod, a shepherd used a rod to keep sheep in line. And it wasn't about necessarily beating the sheep, but sometimes they just take the rod and move the sheep back over. The word justification means to take something that's out of bounds and pull it in bounds. Just like when you justify with the, if you look on Microsoft Word and it talks about justify, that means to bring it in the margins, okay? So that is how they pulled the sheep back into line, put them back into the place that they were supposed to do. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. The Bible says he justified us. He took our out of bounds behavior and allowed his blood to cover us and brought us back in line. And he continually corrects us, okay? So we need to make sure that we are disciplining our children. But again, discipline does not necessarily mean physical. Discipline just means teaching them the right way, bringing their behavior back in bounds. Uh, but let's be clear, Proverbs 23 and 13 through 14 is definitely talking about beating your kids, okay? Like just, there's no other way around it. It's definitely talking about, it talks about, it says, it specifically says, beat them, don't kill them, Okay. Uh, that and, and hey that you know if you try you know it, it is you have to know the child, okay? You have to know the child. you know even with my wife and I, our a spanking is not a go-to thing for us because we believe that whatever they did um, the the, the, the uh, retribution for it that's not really the best word but but the response to whatever they did needs to fit what they did okay? Um, and so, you know, I know like even with my son, you know, he's really only ever had to have like one whooping for real. And it was like a couple years ago because of the way that he was acting out in school uh, so bad. I think I told you guys this before that within the first couple weeks, they were trying to say, well, maybe he needs to be in a behavioral class. And I was like, oh, no. So I gave him several chances to get that together. But when he didn't, and he was adjusting, don't get me wrong, he was adjusting. But eventually I did spank him. And he never, to this day, has gotten in trouble in school again. I mean, never Uh, to the point that when we went to the first parent-teacher conference that semester, she said, oh, he is just a great kid. I tell all the other kids, do what Dylan's doing. You guys need to do what Dylan's doing. So there are times that a spanking may be necessary. And that's what the scripture tells us. But it's not my go-to. You know, he's eight years old. He's only ever had one spanking because that was all that was necessary, okay? Now, my parents, you know, they that was their go-to. They just beat you. I'm just joking. No, they really did. But no, seriously. But and that was the <laughs> that was the wisdom of back then. It's not that we never got uh, any type of other thing, but I mean that was the wisdom of the old school, but truthfully, it needs to be balanced. There are some times that there may need to be a spanking, but that doesn't have to be your go-to in every situation, okay? So we need to we need to make sure that we have wisdom in disciplining our children, not just. Uh, Not just going to spank them all the time. Now, the last one I want to look at with regards to uh, discipline uh, or purposeful discipline is chapter 29 of Proverbs, chapter 29 and verse 15. Okay. And it says, the rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Okay. So it tells us if we're not disciplining our child, it talks about the rod again. And again, the rod doesn't necessarily have to be physical. It's something that's used to bring the children back in bounds, okay, as opposed to 23 and 13 through 14, where it is talking specifically about physical. Uh, But we get out of these scriptures, including the one that we didn't actually read, to correct in love. We correct in love. That's how you have a relationship with your children. You have to have a relationship with your children, otherwise your discipline will never take. If all you ever do is, is, is punish them and whoop them, but you don't spend any time with them, you don't don't know what they're interested in, you don't know what they're doing in school, you know, and sometimes the mistake is when there's two parents, you'll have one parent that does all that and doesn't discipline, and you'll have another parent that only disciplines and doesn't engage. You don't never see them in the floor playing with Legos. You don't never see them taking time with the children. And if they don't correct in love in such a way, then the child can never really receive it. It tells us also to correct promptly. Don't wait till they're 15, to get their behavior in order, okay? We are to correct them promptly. It tells us to spank them when it's necessary and it tells us to rebuke them or don't be afraid to confront bad behavior, okay? Now the next thing we wanna look at is purposeful instruction. Purposeful instruction, okay? Now here, we're only gonna read the first verse. It's uh, Proverbs one and eight through nine. Purposeful instruction. He says, my son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the laws of your mother, for they will be grace, a graceful ornament to your head and chains about your neck. Now, when it says chains about your neck, don't get confused and think we're talking about like a choke chain. Uh, it's talking about jewelry. OK, so let's start there. It's talking about jewelry. What it's saying is that the instruction of your parents should be seen as a treasure to the child. Okay, ornament about your head and jewelry about your neck. So the instruction of your parents should be seen as a treasure. So then what does that mean with regards to how we as parents, or how we as adults address disciplining a child, it says a lot, our discipline should be given to the child in a way in love like we talked about before, so that it can be a, a treasure to them. Okay, a treasure to them, discipline in a a way in a discipline, your child in a way that they can retain it. Okay, and I know even for us with our children, you know, some of the ways that we may discipline Natalie are not exactly the ways that we discipline Dylan. And it doesn't have anything to do with favoritism. It has to do with their personality. You know, some children, you can say something to them and they little feelings get hurt and they bust into tears and that's it. You know, they're just like so hurt. They're so, you know, but some children, you can chastise them and they don't care, you know, and so sometimes in those situations, you may have to take some things away. No, you're not going to have the tablet, you know, no, you're not going to have that party or that sleepover that you thought you were going to have that weekend, you know, and, and for some children, you know, literally just talking to them corrects them, okay, um, and 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 that's really probably more so how Natalie is, you know, talking to her. in in a such a way she just like breaks down and and it don't necessarily take all that much more all the time but for Dylan you know he he might need a little bit more he might need a little more time in his room or you know different things like that and again it's not about favoritism it's about knowing how to give them purposeful instruction instruction that is designed for that particular child okay they should be seen the, The it should be seen as a treasure okay it sets um it, it sets you apart okay it's something that sets you apart as a parent you're not just disciplining your child in a way that you see fit but you're disciplining them in a way that they can receive it okay all right now purposeful affirmation now this is something that a lot of parents miss uh but part of disciplining your children is striving them on to greatness okay telling them, making sure that uh, that they understand why they're being disciplined, and that they have greatness in them, and that you're helping to pull the greatness out of them, and that you're chastising them because you love them. You ever met somebody, you know, even when you were growing up, who like their parents just let them do anything, it was like whatever they wanted to do, you you know, we all have friends like that, We they whatever they wanted to do, their parents just let them do it. The Bible says someone who doesn't discipline their child hates them, it says that they hate their child. And we talk about what that really means, but what that word hate really means. It doesn't sit there. It doesn't mean that they're just sitting there, you know, just angry at their child and like, yeah, I'm not going to discipline because I hate that little sucker. You know, that's not what it means. We'll talk about what that word hate really means, but it's that same connotation. It's like they have turned their back on their best interest is what that word hate means. They turn their back on their best interest. But purposeful affirmation, when we look in Proverbs chapter one through nine, this gives us examples of how a father and a mother should affirm and motivate and encourage their child in the way of wisdom, motivate, encourage, and affirm their child, encouraging them in the way of wisdom. We should affirm our children. We dedicate uh, our children um, to God, of course, but part of dedicating them to God is affirming who they are in God who they are created to be in God, okay? And so the scripture tells us in Proverbs 4 and 20 through 22, it's up on the screen here. It says, my son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. Why? For they will be life to you when you find them, for their life to those who find them, and healing to all of their flesh flesh. So affirming why the word of God is important. Okay. Now let's look quickly at the reward of parenting. And then we're going to move quickly uh, and go into friendships. And then we're going to bring it all together here at the end. The reward of parenting. And again, you can write these verses down. All of them are the same with the exception of Proverbs 29 and 17. uh, But Proverbs 23, We're not going to read it over and over again, but we'll, this is why we didn't read the other one before. This is the scripture where I said, it's definitely talking about spanking them. Okay. This is Proverbs 23 and 13 through 16. It says, do not withhold correction from a child for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. So again, for parents that don't believe in spankings, you know, I'm just telling you, it's the word of God. Okay, it's it's here again. It's principle. It is possible that you can have a child that never needs a spanking, but if you have a child that needs a spanking, then you have to look into that. And I can tell you, as a mandated reporter for the state of Missouri, I can tell you it is not against the law to spank your children. Okay, it's not against the law. I told. Matter of fact, I talked to uh, a D.C.F.S. worker on Friday. I was having uh, three children removed from a home um, this week. Uh, because of abuse sexual abuse physical abuse from a father and then sexual abuse from a stepfather after we had him placed in another home found out one of the children was being sexually abused Uh, but I told the lady I said well no the stepfather he was abusing them I said he was hitting them with shoes he stumped the one little girl in her stomach they had bruises that's abuse okay Uh, but but spanking a child with an open hand and I told her I said I know what abuse is because I spanked my children uh, and she just started laughing, but I'm talking to the DCFS worker. I'm not afraid. You know, it's, it's, I, if I am going, the Bible says you literally, sometimes you may have to spank your child to deliver their soul from hell. It's just that serious. He's saying that it's just that important that you making sure that you discipline them sometimes by spanking them is important because you're literally leading them in the way of the Lord. That might be necessary for them to get the point and to listen to you because guess what? One day, That child might be bigger than you, and you want to have established discipline in the beginning in whichever way uh, the Lord gives to you to discipline them, whatever way is necessary to prescribe their behavior. But then look at this. He tells you here also, look at the reward you have. He says, my son if your heart, this is just about after talking about spanking them. And he says, my son, if your heart is wise, my heart will rejoice. Indeed, I myself. So the parent is rejoicing that they have been able to raise a wise son. And he says, yes, my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak right things. So this is a parent that is happy that their children are doing things according to the word of God. Okay. And then in Proverbs 29 and 17, the scripture says, correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes. He will give you delight in your soul. Okay. Uh, I did a guardianship not too long ago with an older gentleman and his children had turned against him and, you know, everything that his children were saying to him was calling him, a. Uh, the F word and UMF, and I'll be glad when you're dead and I'll be glad when I'm looking down on you in your grave and I mean they had a horrible relationship with their father and they would cuss at their mother and cuss at their father and they were fighting their father for a guardianship of their mother and I mean it was just a mess and when I talked to the father I said you know what's going on here I said how, how did this occur and he told me he said you know what I gave those kids everything they ever wanted if they wanted something, I bought it. You know, this man was a millionaire. He said, if they wanted something, I bought it. If they wanted something, I gave it to them, even into their adulthood. And he said, and one day I realized that I had spoiled them rotten and I started cutting them off and I wouldn't do certain things for them that I used to do. And they turned on me, you know, so as long as he was doing whatever they wanted and just spoiling them, you know, they still weren't really respectful, but they weren't disrespecting him in that way. But it just shows what a lack of discipline looks like that now they're costing him thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in court fighting him for a guardianship of their mother who has dementia because they have no respect for him. Because he never carried himself. Part of it is because he never carried himself in a respectful way to make his children respect him. The way that he treated their mother, so many different things came out in that trial. So it's, it's about disciplining them, but it's also being a person that your children can respect. And he said the reward that comes with that is the reward of joy, it's the reward of the child's wisdom, and the reward of their holiness. The reward of their holiness, okay? Now, We're going to flip over real quick, and we're going to go into friendships. And we got less material to cover here, but we're going to talk for a little bit about friendships. Um, Now, friendships are important. Friendships, and we're going to look at these these three things. Friendships, and I put godly there, because we want to make sure that they're godly friendships. And we'll talk about that, because godly friendships are important because of number three, which is friendships are influential. But friendships are essential. Friendships are invaluable And friendships are influential. Friendships are essential, invaluable, and they are influential. Okay. So, first, let's look at the fact that they are essential. Uh, Many of you probably don't realize this, but the word of God mandates us to fellowship, it mandates us to have friends. Okay. Friends. Uh, We are mandated to have friends. That sounds crazy, right? But we are mandated to have friends. We're we're mandated to not isolate ourselves. We're mandated to not be an island, okay? We are not meant to walk this journey alone. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs 18 and 1 a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. We'll get to that in a minute. He rages against all wise judgment. A man who isolates himself isolates himself seeks his own desire he rages against all wise judgment proverbs 18 and 1 there are sacrifices that come with any relationship let me say that again those of you that are married or that have been married you know there are sacrifices that come with any relationship, but this includes friendships. Some people are naturally more introverted, and that's okay. I'm not telling you that you have to be this uh, this, this bubbling, you know, uh, um, extrovert. Okay. Some people are naturally more to themselves, and that's okay. Uh, but some people isolate themselves specifically because they don't want to compromise. They want to do what they want to do when they want to do it, and they don't want any pushback. And that's part of the reason sometimes with marriage is the reason that things fail because when you're married, you got to check some things by some people and some people don't want no pushback. So they just go on living separate lives and cause they don't really want to have to deal with what it, caused, what, it, what it means when it says that the two shall become one flesh, okay? But even in friendships, you know, there are times where people literally just push away, push themselves away from friends cause they want to do what they want to do they don't want to be worried about nobody else's feelings, they don't want to be worried about what nobody else thinks, they don't want nobody to correct them, and so they isolate themselves, or they pick out people who are weak-willed, who will never correct them, who will never tell them the right way, and, 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 and then they isolate themselves from everybody else, okay? I don't want nobody telling me what I can and cannot do, and we all know people like that, right? We know people who who literally just walled themselves off from other people because not just because they're an introvert, but because they really don't want to be bothered. They don't want to have to compromise. They don't want to live in community and relationship. They want to live in isolation. But the Bible says that that person is a fool. The Bible tells us that that person uh, is, is someone who is not wise, okay, and rages against all wise judgment, okay? So Um, A fool loves isolation, because we are created for community. We are created for a community. We're still on friendships are essential. Hebrews 10 and 25 says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Look at that part now. Let us consider one another. In order to stir up love and good works, we ought to be thinking about each other in, in, in the community of the in, in the community of the church. The Bible is telling us that we ought to be stirring each other up. We ought to be exhorting each other to good works and exhorting each other on to love, not forsaking, it says, the assembling of ourselves together as some have. So he's telling the Hebrews, uh, and this is a book of what we call general applicability, which means he's talking to all of the Hebrews, not just one particular church like in Galatia or in Ephesus, but it's a book of general applicability. And he's saying some people have gotten to the point where they're starting to isolate themselves. People have gotten to the point where they're starting to stay home from church and they don't want to be bothered and they don't want to, uh, um, to, to have relationships with people. But here's the thing. If you think that you staying home is not affecting you and you think that you uh, uh, not being connected in with your church is not affecting you, let me ask you a question. Not only are you wrong, but who are you depriving of your presence? Who could you be stirring up and loving on to good works? Who could you be uh, exhorting or, or, or uh, being a part of that community, because it's not just all about, well, you know, I don't, I don't go to church no more because, you know, I just couldn't find no church where I was just enjoying myself. Well, what about the fact that God might've placed you there to bless somebody else? Maybe you in creating and, and being for somebody else, what it was that you needed, God would turn around and bring somebody to you that was what you needed. I'm not in, uh, I, I don't usually quote Gandhi in my sermons, but it says, be the change you need. It was a, was a quote by Gandhi to be the change you wish to see in this world. And the word of God will support that in many ways that we are not to live just unto ourselves, but we are to be unto others what we need. And when we are to others, what we need, then God will bring to us what we need. Amen. Amen. But it's not just all about you. So he says, don't forsake the, the um, assembling of yourselves together. Now, friends are also invaluable. We looked at how friends were essential. Now let's look at how friends are invaluable. We'll go to all of these scriptures because they're all right here together. They're in uh, Proverbs chapter number 27, Proverbs chapter 27. And we're gonna go first to 27 and five, I'm sorry, 27 and nine, and look at how friends provide invaluable counsel. Proverbs 27 and nine, and the scripture says, ointment and perfume delight the heart and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. The sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Have you ever been in a position where you're, you're maybe stressed out, depressed, uh, in a place where you really don't know what to do about a certain situation, and either you call a friend or a friend calls you, and all of a sudden something that they say just sparks you and increases your spirits? Do y'all remember before Corona land, how sometimes you could be a little depressed or kind of feel, you know, in your feelings, as we say, and you might say, well, you know, I'm not going to go out with the fellas tonight or I'm not going to go out with the girls tonight because I'm just really not feeling it. And then something says, just go ahead and go anyway. And then by the time you leave, you got a smile on your face. Because you've gotten to that point where that friend, the, that that friend and that counsel and that companionship that they gave you became a blessing to you. Okay. That counsel that they gave you in a certain situation to lift up your head and that everything's gonna be all right, that thing helped you out and it was invaluable to you. It turned your whole mood around. Now let's look at the correction of a friend. This is one of the things that the fool, as the Bible calls them, uh, that, that despises wise counsel. This is one of the reasons that they would not want a friend. But in verses five and six, it says, open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Mm. Open rebuke. I'd rather be openly rebuked by somebody who loves me than to have somebody who, I'm sorry, openly rebuked than to be loved by somebody who doesn't show it. I'd rather be openly rebuked, okay? Because even an open rebuke comes from someone who cares about you. People don't bother. The Bible says, you know, even with with God, it says he chastens those whom he loves, okay? And it says even an open rebuke is better than love that is carefully concealed. I ain't gonna say nothing to him. I love him, but I'm not gonna say nothing to him. And we know people like this. I can think of people like this where it's like, no sense in trying to counsel or correct this person. I love them, but they don't never listen. So I'm casting my pearls before the swine. And so that becomes in a way like a love that's concealed because of the attitude of that person. But the Bible says, even if you have to openly rebuke somebody or somebody openly rebukes you, that's better than somebody you can't say nothing to. Okay. The next verse says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Woo. We don't want to think about conflict. We don't want to think about friendships causing conflict. But if you have a real friend, there are times in your life where a real friend, just like a parent, is going to have to bring you to correction. Now, it's done in a different way. We're not going to spank our friends. (laughs) We're not going to spank our friends. It's done in a different way. But just like with parenting, correction is necessary in a friendship. Okay, If I can't correct you, we're not friends. If I can't tell you the truth about yourself, then we're not friends. If I can't tell you, sis, you're wrong in this situation and the word of God says that you need to change your behavior, we're not friends. If I can't say, brother, this thing that you're doing is not right and the word of God tells us that you are in a dangerous situation because you are outside of the bounds of the word of God and you need to allow the blood of God to justify you, if I can't have that conversation with you, then we're not friends. Yes, it may wound you. Yes, it doesn't feel good. Yes, sometimes when a friend tells you something that cuts you, yes, it hurts. But the difference is that some people cut you to kill you, but a friend cuts you to operate. When God cuts you, he cuts you to operate. When God sends correction to you, it hurts. But the Bible says that everyone who is in me, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. My my father is the gardener. He said, anyone in me that bears fruit. He says that person that bears fruit, that doesn't bear fruit, I take that branch away. I throw it out. I throw it into the fire. It is cut off. But he said, but the person who does bear fruit, they're pruned so that they can create more fruit. Either way, it's cut Either way, there is a cut that goes on. And sometimes in the moment, even with a friend, you may have to dress your wound because a cut feels like a cut. Okay. I don't care if you pruning me or I don't care if you cutting me off, a cut hurts. And so in that situation of a friend correcting you, the Bible rightly says here, it says that faithful are the wounds of a friend. He says, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Yes, they cut you. Yes, it hurt. Yes, they had to tell you and you're gonna be in a position at some point where you're gonna to have to tell somebody. Live long enough, uh, uh, listen to the word of God, have a good relationship with God, be in your word. And it's gonna be a time where you're gonna to have to go and correct somebody else. But he says that faithful are those wounds. That, that's a good kind of wound because you're doing something, you know, you're cutting me to get something out of me. You're not cutting me to hurt me. Okay. And he says, faithful are those wounds. Good are those wounds. Those wounds are a blessing. He said, but there's, a, there's, there's an enemy that'll come to you with a kiss. There's an enemy that will come to you with a flattering word and stick a knife in your back while they smile in your face. And he says, that's what you need to look out for because the kisses of an enemy are deceitful, but the wounds of a friend, your friend that cuts you is better than your enemy that kisses you because that kiss is deceitful. And they don't have anything good in store for you. But when you got a good friend, they're not jealous of you. They love you. And that's why they are cutting you in this way. Then the Bible tells us that we have to understand that that's a faithful friend. And then lastly, 27 and 10, friends provide invaluable comfort. Friends provide invaluable comfort. It says, do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend nor go to the house, nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity, because better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. It says better is a neighbor that's nearby than a brother that's far away. I read a study years ago. Bless you, Erica. I read, a. (laughs) she sneezed. I'm looking right. I'm looking right. It's a few people like right in my. I got like the little strip going down. So I see Sister Gianna. I see my dad. I see uh, Erica and brother Olu. Uh, And so I just saw her sneeze, bless you. All right. So uh, friends provide invaluable comfort. I read a, a study a long time ago. It said that the happiest people in the world are the ones who have friends within, and it gave a mile range. And I believe it was somewhere between like one to three miles. Now that's crazy. And they said that that was like greatly correlated with happiness somebody who had a best friend, like a good friend, not just like, oh yeah, you know, they cool. You know, we hang out sometimes, but someone that had a good quality friend, like a a friend that can give a wound and you can take it. That kind of friend, he said, it said that if you had a friend like that, it was correlated with happiness. So the closer that you live to a good friend, the happier your core, your your happiness level was. And it wasn't something that, you know, moved off after a while, It, it remained steady. So moving in close to a friend or having, for instance, even a roommate or something uh, that, that is like a best friend, that correlated with happiness. Because he says, better is a friend nearby than a brother who is far away. It's difficult to, even though we got phones now and we got Zoom and different things like that, you know, and some of those things we've had to make sacrifices and do in Zoom land. But at the end of the day, when everything is normal and all things are constant, we want to be able to comfort ourselves by having a close relationship, both close in proximity and close in, uh, in relationship, okay? And he said that it's better to have a brother that's far away. It's better to have a friend that's close than a brother that is far away, okay? So good friends are an invaluable part of our lives, but I give you this one caution with talking about friends and how they are invaluable uh, before we move on to how friends are influential, and then we're going to close it out. Here's one warning. Sometimes we can make a friend an idol, okay? Okay. Friends are invaluable, but if we're not careful, sometimes we can make a friend an idol. Well, what do you mean by that? Uh, because you just you know, love the friends so much that you know, now you wanna be exactly like them and you're idolizing them? No, sometimes we can make a friend an idol because things that we ought to go straight to God with, we go to our friends with, okay? Things that we all take straight to God, we go to our friends with. And instead of taking it to the Lord in prayer, or instead of seeking the Lord in supplication and, and making it our business to really seek God, every time we turn around, we're taking time that should be prayer time, and we're making it into friend time. We're making it into a time that we call and talk to the friend and on the phone with him for hours when time that we should be getting other things done, namely uh, seeking the Lord, okay? So that is the one caution I'll give you because sometimes many of us, we may not have that invaluable friend that we think about when we think about a friend that provides counsel and correction and comfort. And the reason for that may be that you're not in a place in your relationship with God yet where God can trust you with a friend like that, okay? Because he wants to make you his friend And you're just looking for, and and, and Jessica and I have had that conversation before, that sometimes you know, God will uh, uh, force you in certain ways to have a faithfulness to him before he'll put somebody in your life like this invaluable friendship. So we have to be careful that when God does that or puts that invaluable person in our life, that we never allow ourselves to put more faith in the words of a friend than we do into the word of God. Okay? Uh, And this is why, again, um we have to be careful because our friends are very influential you don't want to be in a position where you got a friend that they start off godly but then they become to a point where maybe they're not influencing you in the positive way that they used to because of something that's going on in their life or uh because they begin to stray away from god and then now you're straying away from god so we got to make sure that we never make that friend an idol because friends are influential Uh, Friends are influential, and so we have to be very careful in forming them, okay? That's why we have to be careful who we join ourselves to, even in friendship, because friends can be uh, potentially positive and potentially negative. So let's go to Proverbs 13 and 20. Go to Proverbs 13 and 20, and this is our last couple slides here. We got one more after this. Uh, Proverbs 13 and verse 20, and it says, he who walks with wise men will be wise. Wow. Look at that. He say, if you just walk with wise men, it's going to automatically start to make you more wise. Just being around them, just being around somebody that's wise, you're going to automatically be more wise. Okay. And he says uh, in the second part, he said, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. He who walks with wise men will be wise. I, I really wish you guys could really understand the, the veracity, the, the importance of this statement he who walks with wise men will be wise. I mean, I could literally almost put any word in there for those two wise and come out with the same uh, conclusion. Okay. Because the people like, like the scripture says, it says that, you know, um, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I almost said the Bible says birds of a feather flock together. And that's not what I meant to say uh because that is not in the bible but it stands for that concept but birds of a feather you know we that that old saying birds of a feather flock together you ever you ever got to know somebody and found out they was messy and then you automatically feel like all the other people that they hang out with must be messy because if they weren't messy they wouldn't be hanging with that person that that's kind of the imagery that i want you to see here it says if you walk with wise men you'll be wise uh he said but but One who takes counsel with foolishness is going to be destroyed. So let's think about that. One who all their friends eat healthy, they're going to eat healthy. One who all their friends work out all the time, they're going to work out. One of the best times of the best shape of my life was when I had two roommates. One of them um, was probably at at that time, especially probably one of the healthiest people I knew. Uh, And even as far as his physique, the big broad shoulders and the smaller waist and, you know, just all the the, the six pack and all those things. And then my other friend that lived with us, he was in good shape as well. Uh, And he was training to be a a DEA agent. And he actually is a special agent with the DEA now. Uh, The other one is an attorney, but he's still in good shape, right? And that is one of the times in my life that I was in the best shape because it was always healthy food in the house. And I always had a workout partner. And I always had somebody that was right around me that had a mindset like I wanted to have, which was to be healthy. And and that's the same thing. We have the potential to shape who we become by the people that we hang around. If your friend is always negative, then you need to have some tough conversations or you might need to find some new friends. If your friend is always bringing you down, then that's not the kind of person that you want to talk to. If your friend is, is giving you excuses to be mediocre and not pushing you on to greatness, that's not the kind of person that you want to be around. Proverbs 27 and 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend you sharpen the countenance, you sharpen, that word means face, but what it means is, uh, like when we talk about seeking the face of the Lord, we're not talking about his physical face, we're talking about seeking him for who he is, and so he said in, in 27b, he says a man sharpens who the friend is, okay, just like iron sharpens iron, just like you use metal to sharpen a knife, okay, that is already metal, he says that a friend sharpens the other friend and you've all heard that saying that says that you know in five years you'll be the same person that you are now except for the book you the books that you read and the company that you keep okay and I always add to that the places that you travel uh because you become a lot more cultured from the places that you travel but even with the books that you read you're starting to see into the life of the person who's the author so even in the books that we read that's really just another way of putting ourselves around people Okay, you, you say, well, you know, I don't have any good mentors, or I don't have any good friends. Yeah, but you can find some good books, you can find some good books about some people who can spur you on in the right direction and spur you on to greatness, until you have that physical person there that can do those things. Um, I always feel like you know a lot of my mentors come through books through the books that I read. You know, I love memoirs. I love reading about people's lives. I love reading things on leadership. I love reading things on uh, self-development and, and spurring you on to be better, okay? Uh, obviously, the most important thing we can read is the Word of God, uh, but, but truthfully, there are a lot of good things out there that we can read that even help us to understand the Word of God better, okay? Help us to apply worldly principles and see how the Word of God is true, even in uh, this it, even in this earthly realm that we're in, and it helps me many times because I read some of the things that the psychologists say, or I read some of the things that the that the life coaches or the motivational coaches say, and I'll be like, man, it's really just the flip side of the Word of God. Um, and 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 sometimes it, they they you really can tell that a lot of the things that they got they just got it from the Word of God. I'm gonna read you guys something just because I thought this was funny. Um, and, and it makes me, it, made me think about, um, it made me think about how sometimes when we read books, um, there are principles of the word of God there. And sometimes that's what helps me to teach you all uh, on a better level. Uh, I read a quote a long time ago that said that a good preacher has a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other, because a good preacher, a good teacher needs to know what's going on today in 2021, but then have the word of God be the most important thing. But what am I applying the word of God to? if I don't know what's going on, okay? So, um, but but many times the word of God has really just shown us, uh, I'm sorry, we read other things and it really just proves to us the word of God. If we're reading something, whether it's a psychologist or a life coach, whatever the case may be, if we read Uh, something in there and it it doesn't in some way confirm the way of the word of God. It might make it more real to you, but if it's in any way contradicting the word of God, then we obviously have to be careful with that. Uh, But I was looking at this and it said, uh, you all, some of you all may have saw this, but somebody sent this to me. It said, the message Bible, it's talking about how the different translations say things. And it said, the message Bible, uh, if you're trying to tell your mother, you know, as a child that you're hungry, the message Bible says, mama, I'm hungry. The Amplified Bible says, "Mummy, I am hungry. And then it quotes it says, famished, starving, because the Amplified Bible always gives you more uh, about what that word means. The NIV says, mother, I am hungry. And then it says, the King James Version says, henceforth, henceforth let it be known unto thee, birth giver, that my belly consists of emptiness. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's all saying, I'm hungry. Okay. So sometimes we do need some things that break down the word of God better. So that's just a silly example. Um, negative, potentially negative relationships. Proverbs 20 and 19. Okay. Uh, it talks about a tailbearer. Proverbs 20 and 19. We'll read it, but we won't spend much time on it. It says, He who goes about as a tailbearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with the one who flatters with his lips. In other words, you know, if a tailbearer is a gossip. Okay, That's what we would call it in our day and age, a gossip. And if, if somebody will gossip to you, just know they will gossip about you. Don't think that they got any kind of allegiance to you because they gossiping to you about somebody else. Okay. Now, there might be times when you have a true friend that sometimes they tell you certain things that may be important to you. But truthfully, a true friend, if, if they just gossip to you all the time about other people, even, even still, you got to be careful because if they're telling you stuff, you know, I know, for instance, my mother, my mother has a good friend and I'll use her as an example. And she has a good friend that talks to her about a lot of things, but there's a lot of things that she doesn't tell her. And the reason she doesn't do that is because she knows that, you know, it's not even profitable, but to my mother to tell her stuff about other people, that's not important to the way my mom lives her life. And we all should be like that. We should all say, you know what? I always am going to know more than I necessarily put out there because I don't want to cause this person to look, even a good friend of mine, to look at somebody else differently if that's not important. Somebody that they ain't even got to worry about coming in paths with, and I'm just out here revealing all the secrets. Yeah, I know I can trust my friend, and there's some times where maybe you have to get some things off your chest because you're heavy, but if we're just going around all the time, let me tell you what such and such said. Let me tell you what such and such did. Let me tell you who showed up. You Let me tell you how this happened and how this went. That is That is not the kind of person we should be uh, putting ourselves around. Proverbs 22 and 24 says, make no friendship with an angry man. They're influential. Why? Why don't you make friends with an angry man and with a furious man do not go? Verse 25 says, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. So he said, you around angry people all the time? This is the inverse of what we talked about, hanging around the wise man in Proverbs 13 and 20, you hanging around the wise man and you become wise. He said, you hang around the angry man and you're going to become angry. You hang around the man that complains all the time and you're going to be complaining. You hang around the person that's negative all the time and you're going to be negative. So you want to put and situate yourself around the type of people that you admire. You want to take friendships in the type of people that you admire, okay? Let's do one more. Proverbs 23, one chapter over, verse 20. It says... <clears throat> for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and drowsiness will clothe a man with
0: rags.
1: He says, uh, I'm sorry, it says, do, the first verse was do not mix with wine bibblers or drunkards, okay? Or with gluttonous eaters of meat for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, poverty and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags, okay? So we don't wanna hang around people that we don't wanna emulate. We don't want to hang around people who are going to uh, cause us to be angry or negative or cause us to start drinking. You know, uh, if you find somebody and that person is a drunk and they're just always drinking and everybody knows that that person's always drinking and then they got a good friend, chances are that friend is drinking too, okay? Chances are that friend is picking up some of the same attributes, okay? So we have to be careful because our friendships are influential. Our friendships are influential. So they're essential, They are influential, and our friendships are invaluable. They're invaluable, okay? Now, let's talk about real relationship goals here. We hear this thrown around all the time. Relationship goals, relationship goals, okay? This is one of the first scriptures that we read. You want to know who our real relationship goals is? It's God, and watch this. Look how he teaches us to be both a good friend and a good parent. The Bible is, and this is going back, we've read this before, but I'm reading it again. It says, so uh, in Proverbs 3, and I'm sorry, it says 10, it's 11. It says, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just like a father, our heavenly father. He says he's just like an earthly father, who, uh, just like a father, the son in whom he delights, just like an earthly father corrects a son in whom he delights. God does that same thing to us. But now let's flip over to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 and verse 12. John chapter 15 and verse 12. And this is where we'll end it. He says in 15 and 12, and he says, uh, or actually let's back up to 11. He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full this is my commandment, that you love one another. Who? One another. He tells us to love each other, to love one another, as how? As the example that he has given us. As the love, I have loved you. And then he says in verse 13, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for one, life for his friends. You are my friends is that something we are friends of God? He said, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all the things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you these things I command you that you love one another. He says, whatever you ask the father in my name. What? He says, ask the father, the one who chastens you. Ask the father in my name, the one who calls you friend. And he said, "In whatever you ask, he says, these things I command that you love one another. He said, I want you to ask it in my name and he's gonna give it to you. Let love be seen in your life let love and that's truly relationship goals is that our love is is gotten across to our children that our love is gotten across to our friends that our love gets across to our spouse love is an action word love is an action word we don't just tell somebody we love them we have to treat them and show them that we love them in the way that we carry ourselves in the way that we have relationship with them amen so i want you guys to know and understand today I want you to know and understand today that, um, that, here we go, I want you to know and understand today that love, love is so important to God. God said, if you don't have love, then you're like a sounding brass and a tingling cymbal. He said, I don't even hear your worship. I don't even hear your worship if you don't have love, if you're not showing love to one another. So we want to make sure that in our parenting, we show love in our friendships that we show love, make sure that we're not making ourselves an island, amen, but also making sure, you know, I kind of, I know I kind of push these two things together, but they really are interrelated in some ways. Um, and, 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 and in all of our relationships, the most important part is just that we show love. What way? Getting to know your children. What way in getting to know your friends? I remember the book called The Five Love Languages, and it specifically talks about uh, how to show love to certain people because I can do something for you. And and for you, you don't really see that as love. But I might be loving you in the way I want to be loved. So sometimes we have to look out for the way that other people show love to us, because then that sometimes teaches us how to show love to them. Because many times they're loving us in the way that they want to be loved. But at the same time, we have to show them and have conversations with them about how to love us. Okay. And, and, and that's the same thing that goes with our children. We have to see how do they get disciplined? How do they get direction? How um, um, can we show that to them in love? Because the way you discipline one child is not the way that you discipline another child. Same thing in friendships. How do, how do I go about correcting this friend that I see as doing something contrary to the word of God? I gotta be prayerful about that because I wanna wound them, but I wanna wound them in love. I want to have this conflict with them. It's it's necessary, but I don't want this conflict to get out of control or to get out of hand. I want this conflict to to, uh, be undergirded with love, okay? All right, so that does it for our wisdom series. I thank the Lord for all of you that were here today with us. Um, I, I really pray that you got something out of this series. I pray that you go back for those of you that may have missed it in the past. We've got uh, it's probably I think about seven messages total, and they're all on Spotify with the exception of this one, which will be there uh, probably by the end of the week. Okay, and so I want to make sure that if you want to go back over any of these, uh, make sure that that you take that opportunity to go back and go. Uh, uh, listen to those messages amen
0: we hope this has been a blessing join us live on Sundays via Zoom Relationship Kids is at 11.30am Prayer is at 12.30pm and service starts at 12.45pm all times given are in the central time zone the login number is 314 8880 feel free to call that number for prayer or text the word connect there to grow with us again that number is 314-720-8880 until next time take care